Hi Triber, we're back for the next season. Smart Girl Tribe has grown to become the UK's number one female empowerment organisation. We have an event series, a digital magazine, a membership platform and this podcast. What can you expect from us? Interviews from women all over the world who are driving change and pushing the needle forward. From actors to activists, to CEOs and conflict photographers, to the brains behind some of the world's largest corporations. When you're not tuned in every Wednesday at 6pm, then make sure you're chatting to fellow unapologetically ambitious women in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or sharing our ever so inspirational content on Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe. Hi Tribers, welcome back to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. I'm so excited to be introducing you to someone across the pond today. We are representative, inclusive and international at Smart Girl Tribe, as you will know by now. And today our guest is all the way in Miami. Vivian is a speaker, entrepreneur and author. She self-published her book, Stumbling Through Adulthood. And this It's just a really lovely episode where we discuss her life, professional and personal. She even reveals some exciting news in this episode and how she self-published and how you can too. This is a sweet, light-hearted conversation given everything happening in the world right now. And don't forget to join the Smart Girl Tribe Society on Facebook, which is a private group to have one-on-one access to Vivian. Okay, we'll start with your story Vivian I want to know everything so can you start at the beginning just share with our listeners can you introduce yourself tell us how you got into what you have your journey I really want to know it all fantastic I'm happy to and I'm thankful to share this time with all of the listeners and with you Scarlett and all of the smart girl tribe so my name is Vivian Olden and I am an entrepreneur but I never thought that I would be one. I, years ago when I was studying and when I grew up, I grew up with two military parents. My father's from Nigeria and my mother's from Panama and they met at school in DC, Washington DC in the United States. And they are your traditional immigrant story where they come to the United States and they are committed to having stability and having jobs that would guarantee a, you know, a projected outcome, which looks like retirement, having a home, those kind of things. And when I went to college, I knew that I would never, ever become a military person. I was, mm-hmm. I'm not built to be a soldier, but I wanted to participate in the government story, and in, in, but as a civilian. And so I thought that I would be studying with the UN or studying uh, and supporting the White House in different capacities as a a bureaucrat. And so I studied political science and I studied public relations and then I went on to get a master's degree in in public administration because that was my goal. Now the one thing that I didn't take into account when I was planning my life was that there would be a recession right when I was graduating from And what happened was, I went through school, and my third year of of college, uh, the job that I was going to pursue disappeared. It just removed. And ironically, it was removed and put into the military. Okay. (laughs) So had I I decided to be a soldier, then I would have been able to pursue that job. It was a career in foreign affairs where you travel all around the world, and you live in five different countries. Over 25 years, she would have, you know, retired. 
and you would have learned different different communities of people that have been able to represent the United States and other places around the world. Mm-hmm. And I had to look for different ways to bounce back from that, how to dig back, dig deep and find some resilience. And at that time, I worked for the Miami Heat, which was the championship basketball team here in Miami, Florida. And I had several different people who had told me over the years that I should be a business owner. And I always thought that that was so silly. But at that same time, while I was working for the Miami Heat, while I was uh, having my pity party about the job and the government that I wasn't going to be able to have, there I was running a lucrative modeling agency out of my university. I went into a store close by my university one day and I saw this dress that I really wanted and I couldn't afford. And I told the clerk there, hey, if you let me put on a fashion show for this all the clothes that you have in Canada for this dress, you should give me this dress for free. Wow. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> but she looked at me and I didn't realize that I was talking to the shop owner. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, you sure. If you put on a fashion show, I'll give you this dress for free. And what happened was that was the first step into my entrepreneurial story because I went, took her dress, and then I went to each shop just that was in that same plaza and asked them the same question, and they all ended up saying yes. And that was the start of my fashion production company that I had at the university, which was Fashion Club. And I became an entrepreneur because my fashion shows made too much money at my private university. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So they told me, Vivian, we can't hold this much money for a student club. Mm-hmm. You have to open a business bank account, and you have to you have to register this. You have to do all the steps. And because I was studying political science in the in the U.S., a lot of political science majors be lawyers. So I was surrounded by lawyers. So they did the paperwork for me, and before I knew it, I had a business, and I've had a business ever since. So I would say that I'm naturally an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Money loves me. If there's an opportunity for me to make money, I will. And I didn't realize that. And I fought against it for many years because between when that happened to when I became the full-time entrepreneur that I am now, it's easily over a decade. Mm -hmm. I, I went from that to working in corporate America. Like I said, I worked for the Miami Heat. I work for Garda Cash Logistics, which is a uh, cash securities company, which is very exciting because I used to have keys to a vault when I would walk into my office. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, my, my office held all of the money for Disney, mm-hmm. in, in, um, for Walt Disney and for the parks and things like that. So I would walk into my office and, and look at gobs of money every day, and I would hold it. So I just really have a very intimate relationship with money and how it can be used to to catapult any type of idea. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable with that. And ultimately what happened was I was working for a COA banker, residential real estate, and I was asking for a raise repeatedly. And I talk about it in my book, Stumbling Through Adulthood. And I had been asking for a raise for several months, and I wasn't able to get it. And what happened was contacts that I had cultivated because of having my fashion production company, because of working freelance, because of continuously having a side hustle or side projects, 
approached me and asked me to create a marketing campaign for a natural hair care company, beauty manufacturer. And ultimately, the offer that they offered me was actually more than my year, my annual salary. And I thought to myself, you know, this is kind of crazy, Vivian. You're fighting with your employer over a couple thousand dollars, and you can just give yourself a raise. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was uh, going on vacation in Peru. I was going to Machu Picchu. And I was sitting on the cliffs looking at Machu Picchu in Peru and staring, and it was a Tuesday. And I thought to myself, why don't I just live like this all the time? Mm-hmm. I have the choice. And when I came back, I let my very last corporate job know that I would not be returning. That was my two weeks' notice. And that was it. And I never turned back since. Wow, that's such an interesting story. So, how long has it been since you went to Peru and almost had that realization? It's been six years. Wow. Oh my gosh. And you have achieved so much since. So can you just sum up, Vivian, what you do now? So now I am a marketing advisor or business consultant. The reason why I call myself a marketing advisor is because I've been able to work with a number of different millionaires and billionaires and very successful companies. And when I ask them what is the number one thing that I bring to the table for them, they tell me that it's peace and perspective. Mm-hmm. That in their position where they're running a lot of different items at the same time and managing a lot of different people that I help them to get clear on what is actually important so they can prioritize their communication and be able to build campaigns that are ultimately successful. So I've been able to work with the Jamaican soccer team for the World Cup. I worked with them last year. I've worked with the heiress of uh, Ferrero Rocher Chocolates Mm -hmm. with her business and businesses. I've raised over $500,000 $500,000 in nonprofit funding for a number of different nonprofits. I work with the Miami Dade Tourism Board to help them to clarify their message and help small businesses here in South Florida to attract tourism and to, to benefit from digital marketing in the hospitality space. And the thing that I'm the most proud of is that my business, every single piece of my business, we put aside a a portion of it and we host the Flourish Media Conference which is in Miami, Florida where we connect small business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs with angel investors and alternative funding opportunities and we've been able to raise 15 million dollars to do that and oh we've my been gosh. doing that. What a huge <laughs> congratulations. Thank you so much, thank you. I mean we've been doing that for now for four years so this last year we were uh, Flourish Media Conference powered by Capital One Bank. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to establish some nice partnerships and relationships in that. And in between all of that, I wrote a book. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh, how you have time to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a passion thing. I mean, at this point in my career, I would do every piece of what I do every day, I would do it for free. Mm-hmm. It really brings a lot of joy to my life, it uh, helps me to be able to activate the love that I have for other people. Um, it really makes me happy that every client, because of where I am in that position and where I 
position my business and myself, I get the choice on who I work with. So every single person that I work with, I deeply care about their success mm -hmm. and whether or not the project works. So it's easy. It's, it's easy to show up. I completely, I can resonate that entirely. And being a business consultant, Vivian, what would be your tips for scaling your business during COVID-19? So this is an unprecedented time for all of us, and um, it's quite unfortunate what we're going through, but there are definite positives in what's happening. I'm sure that all small business owners and entrepreneurs in the back of your mind, you've been thinking about different projects that you probably wanted to pursue or things that you wanted to tighten up, and I think that this is the opportunity to do that. One of the number one things that you'll want to be clear on during COVID-19 is to look at how you acquire business, period. Where are these people coming from? And to make sure that you remember the humanity in the clients and customers that you have, and thinking about how you can solidify and deepen your relationship with your existing customers. Uh, a lot of small businesses are focus on bringing in new business when in actuality the businesses that are the most successful over time what they do is find ways to double down on their existing clientele and having brand loyalty so that your people who already believe in you can either buy additional services additional products or they can pay more for the type of services that you're able to offer at the same time, uh, with COVID-19, the obvious challenge for a lot of businesses is the limitation on your ability to see these people in person. And I want to give you so much peace that those of you who are listening to this podcast and participating with this and sharing your time with us and taking this in, is that you have so many advantages in that space. We have lots of free resources. Uh, my company actually held a small business continuity web webinar for South Florida, but we had hundreds of small business owners on the, on the webinar, and we created a workbook for them that highlighted every single free tool that they can use. So I'm gonna give you a couple of them right now. We're using one as we're doing this, this interview, is Zoom. You have access to Zoom. You can use FaceTime. You can use Google Hangouts. There's projects like Uber Conference, which is free. You have uh, GoToMeeting. You have uh, Skype. All of these different platforms have a level which is free. Of course, if you want more capabilities or you need a more robust system, they have levels. But you can connect with your audience and keep that human connection using video conferencing and using your communication skills. Now's the time to, you know, peel back that corporate uh, layer that a lot of businesses develop over time trying to be quote-unquote professional and let your community know that you are dealing with this and let them know how you're dealing with this because in South Florida, one of the major things that is a benefit is that we have hurricanes. So a lot of businesses have some sort of continuity and contingency plan, but that plan is set up to go back to work within 14 days. Mm -hmm. No one expects to be out of your normal routine for two, three, maybe four months. We don't know. Uh, so it's your responsibility to communicate to your existing clients and customers that you are still open and that you are still doing business. 
that's really sound advice and has your personal routine your business routine changed at all since the self-isolation began i'm very fortunate and i acknowledge my privilege that my business is a digital marketing company we operate remotely for the most part i have several team members who are actually in we operate out of five different states three different (laughs) uh, time zones Mm -hmm. so my team are already at home so a lot of the tools that we would have used or needed to implement because of this pandemic we already had in place Uh, one thing that has changed for me just just so happens that I'm pregnant with my first child. Oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. So that being said, wow. that has changed my daily routine significantly mm-hmm. uh, because I am much more tired than I usually would be. Uh, my sleep schedule is significantly different than what it would be. Um, and the way that I've been able to deal with that is putting together policies and being and communicating with my internal team. And I suggest this for other business owners and aspiring business owners as well. Even when you're talking to your vendors, if you have some type of personal um, challenge or personal conditions that are going on, I would not suggest that you keep those things to yourself because as the business owner, you are the driving force and the visionary behind your brand. And every single person who interacts with your company, they do so as a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, this is why those who are leading in their industries look for someone like me who brings perspective and peace. Because if you are, um, if you're rattled, if you're stressed, if you're dealing with poor communication skills, then your team is going to be a reflection of that they are going to operate in that same anxiety and stress and <laughs> and mm-hmm. disconnection. Trust me. If you take a look at your business and think, you know, I have a, a team member who's just not, they're not able to communicate or we're having the same challenge or the same complaint from customers and clients, then that's an opportunity for you to make an improvement. So for me, uh, yes, what has changed in my daily routine, I would say, the number one thing that's really changed is my commitment to communicating my limitations at this time significantly. I would say that for sure. Wow. And something that I would love to focus on, Vivian, that I'm really excited to share is obviously you have written a book. Your book is for adults, maybe young women, those really struggling to find their purpose. Can you talk us through the book and why you decided to write it? Sure. So my book is called Stumbling Through Adulthood. It's a guided journal for failing forward. And this guided journal, an interactive journal, is set up so in five different sections that focus on family and friends, school and education, love and relationships, your career, and success. And what it focuses on are the pivotal moments in my life that I found have been very relatable for other people that you keep to yourself or you tell your best friend (laughs) over wine. And you talk through these problems and you're thinking, you know, I must be the only one who's going through this. And I want to assure you that you are not. These types of challenges are so powerful because the life lessons that can help you to build your resilience and to make it through times where it looks like 
there is no answer, that things are really going in a terrible direction. But lessons that come out of those moments in life are the ones that are going to help propel you forward. And those are the ones that I want to help my readers to take a deeper, funny look mm-hmm. at why are you thinking this way? Why are you telling yourself these particular narratives? So if you've been dating and you keep running into the same type of person that you're dating where they are taking advantage of you, that you know that this is a toxic relationship, that you know the person might be gaslighting you or setting you up to do things that are not positive in your life, why do you keep doing it? Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself, why am I choosing to participate in these types of relationships when that doesn't serve me? If you're challenging your career, which I was, like I said, I started my professional career during the recession, And I'm very proud to say that while I was let go or different companies closed down, every job that I did acquire was a high-paying professional job that aligned with my career. However, when it came to intermingling within the office, there are different challenges that come up. And if you're allowing yourself to uh, participate in bullying other employees, for example, or you yourself are dealing with those type of challenges, or you're set up where you know that you should be making more for what you do every day, and you're not asking for that raise, you're not positioning yourself to grow in that career, you have to ask yourself, well, why? Why am I doing this? And what cha- what can I do differently so that I can have a different outcome? I do believe that life is a series of cause and effect. I believe that your consistency compounds. And I believe that your consistency compounds in all ways. And the way you do one thing is probably the way you do everything. So if there's an opportunity for you to look at, okay, when I was in high school or when I was in college, where did I develop these habits? Mm -hmm. And how are these habits continuing through the different areas of my life? And where can I make the challenge, make those changes? So inside of the interactive journal, not only is there a series of short stories, it's 25 short stories, there is also journal pages where you are uh, prompted with questions about yourself and then asked to write those things down. I can give you an example. My, like I said, my parents, my father's from Nigeria, my mother's from Panama, they were married for 28 years and they divorced while I was in college, which was very rough for me. And the way that they divorced and how I found out was that my mother called me one day, and I should say I was 17 years old, so in the U.S. that's um, younger than most to be in college. And she told me, I'm divorcing your dad, Uh, we're not going to be together anymore, and I've earned my money and I'm not going to help pay for you to go to college. (laughs) so yeah and it was a shocking realization just a shocking thing for Mm -hmm. someone to say especially from your mother because in my mind as a 17 year old you're also responsible for me you know you're also my mother as well as my dad but she was very clear that when they separate and divide their income that she had no intention of helping me and you know that was shocking but that's, that's the situation that I was in. And when she said that, 
I thought, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay for school? Because I had scholarships and things like that, but my parents were paying out of pocket for me to go to school. And my father, you know, told me in the nicest way that he could that, you know, when the money is divided, he's not going to be able to afford to pay for me to go to school, so I'm going to have to work. There's something I'm going to need to do. And, you know, she told me in the same voice that you don't know your dad, but you'll find out more about him as time goes on. And about seven months later, I developed this habit where I was talking to my father maybe anywhere from two to four times a day. Okay. Which is excessive. That's excessive to talk to your parents. If you don't know you're listening and you do this, you're being excessive. <laughs> and, um, and I was talking to him you know, that many times a day, and one day he told me, oh, I'm going to um, go to a tuck spinning. And that's actually the name of the story in the book. And I thought it was so strange because my father is from Nigeria. When Nigerian people dress up, they wear traditional garb. They don't, they don't wear Western clothes generally, at least not my father. And my father is in the military, so if he needs to dress up for work, he'd wear his his uniform. And I thought, wow, that's so funny. And I said, well, what are you going to do? Go, you're getting married this weekend? He said yes. He did. He was getting married that weekend. And the story thickens. <laughs> yes. And I thought, what? And I mean, you have to think about, I had to be confronted with that reality, that there was a person that I spoke to four times a day, every day. And somehow I didn't know that that person was getting married that weekend. And I can look back on it now, years later, and think, wow, how selfish was I at that time that I don't remember if I ever asked my dad what was going on in his life during that entire time. Mm. And I realized that after that incident, of course, I had some really dramatic <laughs> romantic relationships mm-hmm. after that. You can imagine. I've been, I've been told the book is a page turner, and you'll just have to find out if you decide to purchase it and read it. So, uh, but from there, I discovered that I had a terrible habit where I wasn't taking enough time to get to know the people around, and I needed to learn to do that. Even though I was connecting and I was talking a lot, there's a difference between quality and quantity of things and the difference that that can have on your life when you indulge in the quality of things. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I needed to learn that lesson not only in my relationship with my parents, but that relationship in the way that I engage with food and dieting and things of that nature, the way that I engage with partying and going out being you know being social mm-hmm. and I learned it when it came to my career and when I was able to establish the quality over quantity and understanding that because something doesn't work out doesn't mean that it's the end of the world it probably was never right for you to begin with if you take an honest look at it mm-hmm. so I would hope that anyone who reads the book can walk away with Uh, a series of funny stories to laugh about, Um, some guilt-free, relatable reading, Mm -hmm. uh, to know that you're not the only one who goes through these things, these kind of embarrassing interactions with others, but also to have a private space where you can take a real tough look at yourself and make those personal developments. And you help a lot of people, Vivian, those stumbling through adulthood, if you like. So I have to ask, when you have 
dark or sad moments now, what do you do to help yourself? That is such a great question. And one of the things that I do and I'm committed to is that I have some a professional person that I speak to uh, every week. Mm-hmm. And I highly suggest that, uh, that you find someone or look to your um, medical professionals to find someone to talk these things through. Especially being a millennial, um, our generation really deals with a lot of psychological challenges just because of the way that we live our life where we're constantly sharing with people the highlight reel of of our lives and showing the best parts but that doesn't mean that there aren't challenges that are going on and that doesn't mean that there are ways that we can make improvements because it doesn't mean that something is necessarily significantly wrong but like I said as a business owner it's my responsibility to be clear about what I want and also to be mindful about the way that I communicate that desire to others in a way that isn't that doesn't create toxic relationships for myself. So one of the challenges that I deal with is that I am very much a people pleaser. I am a total doormat. I love to do for others and I will do for others at the um, at the um, negative effects to myself. That is a natural behavior for me. So I have to work a lot on my boundaries with others and uh, being reasonable in my requests of others to, to, to respect my boundaries. So mm-hmm. I work with a counselor on that. And I also have uh, uh, my husband who I can talk to about different things. And I have a, a close group of friends. And I should say that Flourish Media is a company that I run in partnership with my business partners, Sasha Revelous and Dr. Tracy Timberlake. And I'm very blessed to have them. So if I do have a, a business challenge that is uh, very much connected to my business, I do have other people that I can talk to. So I would say when you have those side moments, to find ways to get it out of you. Mm-hmm. Do you Whether have a strong morning or evening routine, Vivian? I do. I have a very strong morning routine. Not pregnant. <laughs> I typically wake up at about 5.30 a.m. Uh, and I start my day. I usually take time for myself. I watch whatever YouTube video or Netflix show that I'm enjoying. Uh, when, again, not pregnant, I'll go to boot camp and uh, work on my body, take care of my physical health. I'll have a nice breakfast. And I look over my tasks for the day, and I usually start my day around 7 or 7.30. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you mentioned, you touched on millennials, and so much has changed. We live very much in a different time. Do you think that in order to be considered maybe a successful adult now, we need to still have achieved the traditional list of getting married, having a baby, bless you. And working. I don't think that. Not at all. I think that we're um, as as millennials and Gen Z and stepping into the next generations that come around. I think that what we are doing is being able to curate our own versions of success. And I would like to believe that what we're learning and what we're seeing is that there's many ways to be successful. When we're talking to our tribe and we're talking to different women uh, entrepreneurs and those leaders is to remind them that your leadership and your success looks different than the next person. Mm 
mm-hmm. which is why it's more important and so important to embrace collaboration over over competition because your dreams are not the same dreams as the person next to you so while it may look like you're in the same industry or you're pursuing the same types of things or you're building things that appear similar there's room for success for everyone and it looks different for everyone that's the most beautiful thing about it is that it doesn't matter if we're both uh, working on a podcast the topics for the podcast are going to be different it doesn't matter if you're designing clothing the the types of clothing design that you're putting together they're going to be different they're going to appeal to different people if you're writing books your books and your stories are going to appeal to different people even if you're doing the same thing. And motherhood, and whether or not you decide to be a parent or a guardian to someone else, that's completely up to you. I, for one, thought that I would never be a mom. I really did. I had no interest in having kids or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I took a lot of peace in the fact that that I didn't have that aspiration. And honestly, for those of you who are listening, it's a big piece of why I was able to achieve so much because I can share that I did get pregnant very early in my life and I didn't have that child. And in my mind, because I was also raised Christian and quite religious, mm-hmm. is I thought, you know, since I'm not having this child, I'm trading a life for a life. So I need to make something of myself and I need to spend my time really getting the most out of my career woman lifestyle because it's a career woman lifestyle that I chose and I have to say that it's it surprises me every day and I talk to my husband about it all the time I'm surprised that we're dating and we're together we love each other we get along so well I'm surprised that I'm um, pregnant at this time and I'm going to be a mother and I'm delightfully surprised at just my life in general because we met, I met my husband on Tinder. Okay. <laughs> you know, I met my husband on Tinder because my very good girlfriend uh, moved to the UK. She lived in London. And she told me, she's like, you know, I was like kind of becoming a homebody. And she told me, you need to get out and get to know new people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how am I going to do that? This is Miami. Everybody's here on vacation. You can't meet nice people. And she told me, I'm on Tinder in London. I'm meeting very nice people. And I'm like, Tinder in London? You're meeting nice people? Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> incredible. Your, your listeners and audience can tell us how true and accurate that is. But... That's what she told me. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of messages after that saying, oh, by the way, Tinder's worked for me. <laughs> yeah, and so I have to say my very first Tinder date is my husband. I had one date on Tinder mm-hmm. and I married him. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these things where your success and where your life can go, I think be open to, to traveling that path. Don't be so rigid about this is the only way that I can be successful because it's just not true. Mm. I completely, I agree with that. And I have to ask, are you and your husband, because you are so successful, Vivian, you're an author, a speaker, entrepreneur, you offer private coaching. Have you both been very aligned throughout the years you've been together? I would say we have been, but truthfully, when we started dating, 
um, I was, oh my goodness, almost for a year or so, I didn't talk to my hus- now husband about my businesses okay. at all. I didn't even talk to him about, because at the time, we, I believe I was still working in corporate America, and I was struggling with this decision of leaving my job and starting a business full-time or not. And we actually went on a double date with my senior graphic designer now, but a friend then. And she asked me, are you going to leave your job while we were at dinner? And that's what opened him up to knowing all the challenges that were going on in my, in my career. So when I tell, when I say that I did not intend to date for marriage or have kids or get married, I really didn't. And that again, <laughs> again, it highlights how important communication is. Because the moment I was able to communicate that, I learned that his mother is an entrepreneur, that his father is an entrepreneur, that he understands that when you build a business, it takes time to build the uh, profitability of that business, that if there's different struggles and things that come through. And it's so important to share your ideas and share your passions with the people that you want to build a relationship with in your life because you don't know what their reaction is going to be and you don't know how pivotal they can become in your long-term story and success. So now my husband is a, he is a computer programmer. He also works from home. Um, so we're both working from home anyway, whether there was a pandemic or not. Mm-hmm. And it's really lovely because there's so many different things that we can talk about because of the fact that a lot of what I help my business owners with is in tech. So it's been wonderful actually having him as a support and it's been very fulfilling to share these things. So I really encourage all of your listeners when it comes to relationships that you want to deepen, you have to get comfortable with the rejection and build that resilience, which is why I wrote my book Stumbling Through Adulthood, because there's so much good stuff on the other side of it. And being a businesswoman, I'm sure you've stumbled a lot, Vivian, and I know, being a speaker myself, that there are so many women who are stumbling in life. What do you put that down to? Is there a particular theme that when you're speaking, women will come and ask you about? I get asked about confidence a lot. Mm. And, And I take that as such a compliment because... It's not that I'm, I'm not a confident person. I just know that I know what I'm talking about, which is, diff, which is confidence. Confidence happens when you're practicing an activity. The more you practice it, the more it appears that you're building confidence or that you are confident. I know that uh, the lessons that I've learned through my life have helped me to grow mm-hmm. because I know the person that I was before and I know the person that I am now. In writing my book, one of the things that I'm the least confident about is my actual is grammar and spelling. I'm not good at either one. Okay. <laughs> I'm not good at either one. Like I said, my dad's from Nigeria, my mm-hmm. mother's from Panama. I was born in Germany, and I speak English every day, and I write in English. So I have challenges with that. But what did I do? I hired editors who are native English speakers, who are professionals, who can look at these things. And... And I know that the story, the, the content in the stories have more power than whether or not a comma is in the right place. And when it comes to 
on stage, I've been speaking on stage or being presented in front of audiences my entire life. When I was a baby, my mother put me in beauty pageants mm-hmm. for babies. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was one of those toddler and tiara mm-hmm. kids. And when I went off to college, I was actually in the Miss California pageant and earned some of the money for my college from beauty pageants. And then when I was in school, <laughs> when I was, you know, in church, I would purchase, I sang in the choir and I, you know, would read the scriptures in front of the congregation. So I have practice doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not that, you know, anytime we're looking at other people, um, we have to remember not to judge our beginning at someone else's middle or their end. Everyone starts at different places, but again, it's your consistency that is going to compound your special area of genius, your special skills for the things that you care about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it would be confidence is the number one thing that people talk to me about. Do you see women and men stumble in the same way? or differently? I see women and men stumble in different ways, but I will say that uh, stumbling is a very individualistic challenge. Mm -hmm. That, of course, there are uh, institutionalized norms, depending on where you're coming from, that have a cloud over your ability to succeed. But ultimately, success comes down to making the decision to want it. Mm-hmm. You have to want it more than anything else. When it comes to women, there are challenges on the amount of arrogance or confidence you are allowed to have in any given space. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are community norms where you may have to spend more energy on the way that you physically look as opposed to what a man would have to do. Mm-hmm. But because I have 42 cousins. Wow. 37 of them are men, I can very confidently say that men do have to present themselves in a way as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you can't be disheveled or anything like that. There are different challenges that they have and challenges that they have as far as how they can show their emotions in any given situation, which can be very stifling and extremely negative for their mental health. Um, So while there are different challenges, I do think that Again, stumbling is a very individualistic. Absolutely. And what was the process of producing your book? Did you choose a traditional publisher or did you self-publish it? So Stumbling Through Adulthood is a self-published book. I chose to to publish it. I actually published it through my business Mm -hmm. uh, just because it was a good business decision uh, on the back end. And what I did is that it took me one year to publish my book from starting the idea to putting it in someone's hands. I did work with Write and Day, which is a uh, partnered uh, writing consultant company mm-hmm. where they worked with me on, the, on building the story, on structuring the book itself, and then on positioning who my audience would be. The major part of why I chose not to go with a traditional publisher is because of how I wanted to structure the book. When you work with a traditional publisher, they do need for you to, either needs to be a journal or it needs to be a collection of short stories. There's not, usually traditionally you wouldn't be able to blend the two. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was important to me to do. So it made more sense for me to self-publish. 
So you wrote the entire book and then being a self-published author, what was, what did the process look like? What was the reality of the cover shot, deciding the blurb, etc.? All of those fine details. How did you go about that for anyone listening who would want to self-publish a book? Sure. So one of the things that um, that's a complete positive is please keep in mind that I run and operate a marketing company. So I do have an advantage in that sense. So I do have a photographer and videographer that are on staff with me. They work with me on a lot of different things. So I did get photos from them. I was able to communicate with my senior designer in between client projects on what I like mm-hmm. and what we felt would be the best look for the book. So we, I did the cover and the uh, back cover internally with my team. We were able to do the illustrations in-house with my team. Um, the uh, printing and things of that nature, I've, you know, my team members are coming from backgrounds working with Moet, Coca-Cola, They've worked with um, uh, uh, cats. They've worked with a lot of different, um, very professional, high-end companies. So they have a rich resource of information that I could pull from, and mm-hmm. that's how I was able to put the book together. But I would say that the three things that any person who's interested in having a book needs to be aware of is, number one, that you need to have an ISBN number. That's something that you have to have if you don't have that and you try and publish a book only on Amazon, for example, or Kindle, then you won't be able to sell your book in bookstores, which is the goal. Mm -hmm. You want to sell your book everywhere. Then the second thing that you need is a cover for your book. That is very important. Spend the time, spend the money to do that. And then the last thing that you need is the manuscript. It really is that simple. You need the ISDN, the back and front cover, and a good manuscript. Now, for me, like I said, I need editors, and that is the correct thing for me to do, mm-hmm. is to have an editing team look at my manuscript, because that's not my strong suit. Um, I need to have a graphic designer or someone involved, because that's not where my talents lie. And, you know, as far as registering paperwork, I can do that all day, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but when it comes to those elements... Uh, those things are really important. And then also to keep in mind if you're going to self-publish your book is that you are the publisher. So that means you have the expenses of being the publisher. You are responsible for the marketing of your book, of being present for your book. And I know that a lot of authors and a lot of a lot of people in general struggle with speaking in public and being present. Um, being highly visible mm-hmm. and that is something you're going to have to push to the side because if you write a book you are the you're the money maker so you have to be ready to have these conversations and be out there to support and share your book so once you have the cover the book has been written you have your first copy if you like it's been sent to you what happens now how do you go about selling a self-published book so for me, I what I did is I, uh, not hired, but I identified someone on my team and then paid them, I guess hired, yeah, I paid mm-hmm. them a separate salary to focus on um, opportunities for me to be visible. So that means speaking engagements, that means looking for book fairs where you can sell your book, that means um, 
looking for ways to get press, so PR in general, so that, that means articles written about you, building the social proof of your book and positioning yourself as an expert is going to be a very important next step when it comes to actually selling your book. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I've noticed, not only from my own perspective, but I've had authors as clients as well, is that for the most part, if you're not writing a book that is an industry, kind of an industry-related textbook, mm-hmm. and it's based on any other thing, people need to know who you are. And you will have more success selling your book when you have an opportunity to talk about your book. And that being said, my nonprofit, one of the things that we do is we host a traveling book fair for women authors. It's called Publisher, capital H-E-R, Publisher. And we host that in uh, in Miami, Atlanta, Las Vegas, LA, and Cincinnati. And we've had a lot of women authors who are very thankful for that opportunity because but the number one challenge is, is to find spaces where people are readers and they're interested in hearing about books and also buying books outside of the digital space. And being a marketing superwoman, if you like, Vivian, what would be your maybe top three marketing tips in general if someone is building a business, but then also if they're maybe wanting to market their own self-published book? Oh, for sure. My number one tip when it comes to marketing is that your marketing is supposed to produce money. That's the first thing. So for that reason, choose to market things that people want. And the reason why, the how you'll know if someone wants what it is, is take a look at your, your menu of services or products and the thing that people are asking for the most that is the thing that you should spend marketing dollars on because marketing always requires one of two things. It's going to require time or it's going to require money. And if you're going to have the most success, I will tell you that it is going to take an investment of both. It will. So because you're going to invest your time and your money into something, investing in something that your audience has expressed frustration with Mm -hmm. because you need to position yourself as the problem solver and your product or your service needs to solve an existing problem don't try and create a problem and then try and sell something to people because that takes more time Mm -hmm. which means it will cost you more money the second thing is to make it easy for people to pay you and that what I mean by that is if you have a You've established that you're the problem solver. You know that you have a, um, a great solution or you know that people are wanting to hear about a story in the sense of the book and you have the book ready for people to purchase. Have a way for them to buy it right away. I can remember uh, when I was accepted to participate in the Miami Book Fair, which is one of the largest in the United States. I set up my table and I was ready to go and I had never done this before and I was just there and someone came to me and they were ready to buy the book and I had my square, I had all these digital tools to mm-hmm. process payment. And then the person said, oh, I have money.
And it took me an extra however long to find mm-hmm. my change, but I thought that was so funny because I know how important it is to make it easy for people to just buy from you. And uh, that's something to be mindful of. So if you have an online product, because now we're all you know in a pandemic and we're separated, mm-hmm. please look at what is the process for someone to buy something from you. Make sure that you have a place for them to swipe their card to make the transaction. The last piece that I have to share is to um, is to be ready to promote your brand. I was talking to a client just yesterday about how many times you have to talk to your audience in order for them to know about your product. Business statistics show that anywhere between 6 to 12 times is how many times someone needs to hear about your product in order to take action. They need to hear about your product at least three times in order to remember it. So throughout this podcast, I'm sure you noticed that we said stumbling through adulthood, Mm -hmm. that's the name of the book. Or I want you to know that my name is Vivian Oladin because all of the information about me is at VivianOladin.com. Or I might have said Flourish Media Conference because Flourish Media Conference is something that we host all the time. People need to hear from you. And many times, if you've written a book or if you have a product, you might have mentioned it one time on Instagram, and then you'll sit back and say, nobody bought anything. What happened? So you may have posted something, a product or a service, and you sit back and you'll say, well, what happened? No one bought anything. No one purchased. They didn't join my community. Well, you, business owner, writer, author, Mm -hmm. have not completed the sales process. You have to tell your audience, and I mean the same person has to see that message anywhere from 6 to 12. So within Flourish Media, Media, when we're working with a client and we're doing marketing training, we like to use the number eight. Mm-hmm. We say, you, when you're marketing something, if you can't share it to, to that audience eight times, then don't spend any money on it because you haven't completed the sales process anyway. That's really insightful and I do find it, um, I've read similar statistics, I find it fascinating because as a woman, I know we all struggle to do this, we mention something once and then we think we're not humble if we mention it again, but the truth is no one's going to be remembering it anyway unless we <laughs> mention it three times. So yeah. I find it really interesting. Yes. And I have to ask you, Vivian, what is next for you? What's your vision for the future? Do you have another book on the way? I would. I've been playing with the idea of writing a stumbling through pregnancy book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it would make a lot of sense for women entrepreneurs who are... Um, thinking of becoming mothers or who are mothers or who want to reflect on on this funny, funny time in life. And um, I think that would be really great. And then I've also uh, been looking at an idea called Crazy Clients. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a book about um, the challenges that come up when you're an entrepreneur and you're building a business and some of the things that come up with clients that you, and when you're in the moment, and I've talked to so many other business owners at this point, that you think, oh, this is only happening to me. What do you mean you signed the contract and now you don't want to pay the last invoice? Or what do you mean that, you know, we put together the entire website and you approved it, but now you don't like one web page, so so we have to scrap the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that having these same type of stories can be really funny and also uh, relatable for a lot of business owners and have some lessons in them 
to help you be able to move forward with them? No, completely. I think the first would be an awesome idea. I love the idea of the second book because I can honestly say I think I've experienced all of those things in my time of being a business owner. As I said, just starting this as a teenager with no business experience, no economics degree or any kind of equivalent, I have very much just had to learn on the road, if you like, and it has not been easy. So, Vivian, I always end the podcast with the two same questions. The first being, what is your favourite quote or what mantra do you live by? And then the second being, can you recommend maybe three to five books that you have read that you really enjoy? It could be about maybe writing a um, self-published book or maybe just marketing books, anything that you would suggest. Oh, sure. So uh, the first book that I would suggest is mine, Stumbling mm-hmm. Through Adulthood. <laughs> no, I kid. The first book that I would recommend is How to Make Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yes, that book is fantastic. Yes, I think it's a powerful book and it's a really nice perspective. And it's and it stood the test of time, mm-hmm. but it is really important to think about how you interact with others. Um, another book that I would recommend is um, Perfect Phrases. It's a book on dealing with um, difficult people, actually. Okay. And and what it is is whether you're have whether you have your own business or you're working in corporate America, you're working with others. It's a really nice book to have some examples of ways to communicate with others so that you can get your point across without being aggressive. Mm -hmm. I think that that's important to be able to connect with others. And then the last book that I would recommend that was really um, touching to me is That Escalated Quickly. It's by uh, Francesca, I forget her last name, but she wrote the book and it's about how um, things can escalate in the online space and to be mindful of the way that you are uh, writing your message and mm-hmm. things that you can include. She's a writer. Um, she's been an active writer in many different capacities, magazine, newspapers, and things like that. She's written a series for MTV and now she writes for a number of different movies and things like that. And I think that the way that she approaches um, your ability to trigger emotions within people is very powerful. So I would recommend those three books. And what is your favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Oh, a mantra that I live by is if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, get a team. And I love I've that. since learned that that's a, I learned recently, like in the last three weeks, that it's an African proverb. I had no idea. I've been saying it my whole life. Oh my gosh. No, I love that. I think that's really that's really beautiful there's something really lovely about that yeah and I really do believe in that because I every time that I can look back on my life and I've seen exponential growth every time it has not been because of my own behaviors or my own actions Mm -hmm. but it's been because of my own vision and the actions of others on my behalf Wow, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Vivian, for all of your insights. It's been incredible speaking to you. It's been great. I'm so happy we've been able to connect and I have absolutely no doubt that we will be when we can, when we're all allowed to, we will meet up in America soon. 
Yes, it's going to be fantastic. I'm so happy to have this time with Smart Girl Tribe, and I'm excited to meet you and to be able to connect over the pond and more great things in the future. And a massive congratulations on congratulations, sorry, on your pregnancy again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much.